I'm going to jump right in here for the sake of time. We are in week two of a sermon series that we've titled Tuned In, Hearing the Voice of God. And where we went last week was learning to be still. We have to still ourselves in order that we can prioritize God's voice over all of the noise in this world. Today we're going to talk about hearing the voice of God through His Word. Next week we'll be looking at hearing the voice of God through community, the role other people play, and also through our pain and our pleasure. God uses those as well. And then finally, the final week of this, this series will be not just hearing the Word of God, but acting on it. The Bible is clear for us that we don't just hear what He says, but we must act on it if we want to hear more and continue to be blessed by God in that way. Again, my assumption here in this series is we all would like to receive some divine guidance from time to time. Whether you are a follower of Christ, or you are a spiritual seeker, or you're just brand new here asking questions, every single one of us would like to know that God cares about us. Every single one of us would like to know that He might occasionally have a word of guidance, a gentle whisper, some direction for us for the challenges that we face. And my assumption is that we can hear that. More than 50 years ago, Dr. Alfred Tomatis was confronted with the most curious case of his 50-year career as an otolaryngologist. Say that five times fast. A well-known opera singer came to him mysteriously unable to hit the notes that he had always hit before that were well within his vocal range. And all the other doctors told this opera singer, the reason you can't hit these notes is because there's something wrong with your larynx, some issue that needs to be solved there. And Dr. Tomatis did some more of a deep dive to try to figure out what was going on, and he learned that that wasn't the case at all. There was nothing wrong with his larynx. Indeed, though, this opera singer uh, had this unique hearing problem that had developed. You see, opera singers, the best ones anyway, will sing at a level of 140 decibels. If you think our church services are loud. (laughs) 140 decibels. And because he had done that across decades, he had this selective hearing loss at certain volumes and pitches that had rattled in there, rattled some of his hearing. And Dr. Tomatis determined that it wasn't a problem with his larynx at all, it was a problem with his hearing. He had the selective deafness of these certain volumes and pitches, and Tomatis said, simply put, you cannot sing what you cannot hear. And so it is for us. If we don't hear from God, we have a problem. Okay, see, Tomatis understood that the root problem was not an issue with the larynx. There was a root problem of hearing. And I think we all have a similar root problem. We tend not to hear from the living God, or we tend to ignore it when He does whisper to us, or not put ourselves into a position to be able to hear from Him. And so we are confronted with a myriad of problems. Anyone else? We have a myriad of problems. And we tend to think that the emotional problems that we have are purely emotional problems. And the relational problems that we have are purely relational problems. And they might be in part, but I'd like to suggest 
that many of our problems at root are actually spiritual problems. Not all of them, but many of our problems are actually spiritual problems that can be cured if we get to know the still, quiet voice of God for them. I noted last week that I've never personally heard an audible voice from God. A number of you came up to me after the service and said, well, Adrian, I have. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. If you have, that's great. I don't doubt that an omnipotent, all-powerful God could do that. But that hasn't been my experience. My experience has been more of a still, quiet whisper, a gentle nudging, maybe not hearing anything. Yes, not hearing anything, but getting a prompting, Adrian, go this way, or a clear answer to a prayer that is a subjective impression, but nonetheless is very real. And those moments that I've had, I don't speak glibly about them. I don't speak about them like they're everyday experiences. They're powerful. And I'm careful to speak about how I have experienced God in that way, but for the purposes of teaching in this series, I'm sharing some of my experiences because I do believe that we can enter in a disciplined practice of a two-way relationship with God. Speaking to God and hearing from God. Communing with God and conversing with the living God. So I'm just going to do a lot of teaching here this morning. For those of you who love it, when I get riled up as a preacher, you might be disappointed this morning. For those of you who really say, Adrian, I wish you'd just settle down and teach. Well, here's your day. I'm glad you're here today. Uh, on your outline here, though, this morning, you'll see three concentric circles, and these three concentric circles form for us um, a little bit of a portrait of where we want to go. This is not original to me. This comes from one of my dead mentors, a man named Dallas Willard. I never met Dallas Willard, but he's a profound author and philosopher from the University of Southern California. He's also a pastor, and I read everything though, that he writes. But he shares this, that we need to develop at the very beginning a vision for what the Christian life looks like and what it is that God wants for us in the Christian life. And as I noted last week, the vision is this. He wants us to become mature people in loving relationship with him. He wants to become mature followers of Christ who on an everyday basis are walking with him. We're in loving relationship with him, hearing the voice of the good shepherd, yes, but even more than that, seeking to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and seeking to love others as ourselves, and walking in that long obedience in the same direction. Just saying, this is it. This is what I'm going for. This is the vision. Not a bunch of signs and wonders. God himself. God himself. Because in him is abundant life. So that's the vision. The intention is this disciplined decision that we make. I pray that you make the decision. In your life, perhaps today would be the day that you make the decision, I am going to spend time with God. 15, 20, 30 minutes a day, four or five days a week, I'm going to create a sacred space that is invaluable and unviable. That didn't come out quite right. That is not to be violated, okay? It's not to be removed from the schedule. It's a sacred space that you maintain in your schedule. I'm going to make this decision, this intention to meet with God. How'd you do with that last week? Pretty good? If not too well, it's your lucky day. We got another week in front of us. We got plenty of opportunities this week to meet with God as we make a decision 
15 to 30 minutes that I am going to spend in the presence of God, seeking to hear his voice, seeking to hear from his word, engaging in journaling and prayer and all the rest. And then is the means. You have a vision, you have an intention, and then you have the means. Means is just the how. So we have to have this north star, that's the vision. You have to have an intention. I'm going to do it. I write it in my calendar. And then I have to have the how, the means, the practices, the disciplines, the activities, the exercises that I must do in that 15 to 30 minutes each day where I will regularly connect with God. What we're talking about here is practice, exercising yourself unto godliness, as the Bible says. We all have to make this decision that I'm going to exert some effort in the spiritual life. So last week I talked about three words that help us get there. They were first, honesty in our prayer lives. Again, definition of prayer. Uh, prayer is simply the real you talking to a very real God and having a very real conversation. It includes listening to God, asking from God, praising Him, confessing our sins, being still in His presence. It's all of those things. And I shared that I choose to be honest with God, usually in this prayer chair. And usually my devotional life includes 20, 30 minutes in this prayer chair every morning, in which I just begin by honestly expressing my heart's desires to God and saying to Him, Lord, speak. Speak. Your servant is listening. Be still, my soul. I go through this soul detox, asking God to be present with me. And that's part of my regular routine. Now, this was not at my house last week, so I just didn't pray. <laughs> no, that's not true. Okay. Uh, but a consistent time, a consistent place, and then honesty before God. And as you do that, that becomes a practice. It becomes a spiritual exercise to regularly commune with God in prayer. And what we're going to talk about here though this morning is regularly communing with God, not only in prayer, but also hearing his words through the Bible. Now let me just ask this question. Those of you who've played sports or done an instrument, raise your hand really high if you love practice. Okay, just a few here love practice. Okay. Uh, coaches in the room, take note of this. They don't love practice. Here's a famous video clip from one of my favorite basketball players back in the day. Very famous clip. You may not like it, but some of you will. It comes from Allen Iverson. Take a look. It's easy to sum it up when you just talk about practice. We sitting here, I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice, not a game, not, not, not the game that I go out there and, and die for and play every game like it's my last. Not the game. We're talking about practice, man. It's easy to sum it up. We just... <laughs> okay, do you remember that? Okay, some of you, all the men maybe age 40 to 70 in the room remember that. Okay, we're talking about practice, man. Now, most of us wouldn't admit that we feel that way about practice, but we do. We do. It's like, I just want to play the games. I just want the fun. Or, you know, can I have another snow cone? <laughs> Some more Netflix on demand. 
Do I really have to practice this stuff? Yes. Yes. Anything good in all of life. Talking about your marriage, talking about parenting, music, athletics, and your spiritual life. It will require practice, require effort, require discipline to grow in it. And many of us don't grow too much in our spiritual lives simply because we refuse to do it. So a few of the means that we use to get there are what we're going to talk about here today. It begins with what we noted last week, honesty, a sacred space, a sacred time, and then entering into the Bible. God whispers to us through a variety of different means. He whispers to us through other people, through our pain, through our pleasure, but he whispers to us most through his word. Here's the big idea, though, that you want to get from this morning's message. It's simply this. The big idea is this. You get God's word into you as you read God's word. You read God's word, enter into the words of God, and God's words will enter into you. Let's read this out loud together, would you please? Enter into the word, and God's word... Okay. That's fundamental. If you get nothing else from this message, that's what you've got to get out of this message. You enter into these pages of Scripture. Today we're going to be in James 1, 19 to 21. You enter into these pages of Scripture, and slowly but surely, beautiful passages of Scripture, beautiful words, beautiful stories, beautiful psalms, begin to enter into your soul, and they overcome the noise of this world. Can I get an amen? We need the noise of this world to be overwhelmed. And so we enter into the words of God, and then God's word enters into our souls. Listen now to James chapter 1, verses 19 to 21. If you're open there already, on your phone or in your Bible, great. If not, you'll see it up here on the screen. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Friends, have you noticed that we live in a culture in which everyone has something to say, but very few people have anything to say? Have you noticed that we live in a country in a country and in a culture where people act like they have two mouths but only one ear. And once again, if we're not careful, we get inundated by all of the noise. And we get inundated by all of the anger. And it can drown out the voices that we really need. Here's a critical question. Whose voice is loudest in your soul? Whose voice? Is it the voice of God or some cable news talk personality? Is it the voice of God or someone in your social media group? The voice of God or, or some other friend? 
When the words of God are loudest in our lives, we listen twice as much as we speak. When the words of God are loudest in our lives, we put anger away and God's Spirit gives us the capacity for gentleness. When the voice of God is loudest in our lives, we're able to put aside evil and moral filth and dwell in the fruit of the Spirit as we spend time with Him. When, when we want, when I dare say we want the voice of God to be loudest in our lives, arrogance finds no place and we humbly accept the Word of God planted into our souls. Friends, we can really expect God to whisper to us from His living and active Word. This is part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I'd encourage you, if you're reading this week, John 14 and John 16, because it speaks to part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, which is all about Him convicting us, reminding us of truth, helping us apply Jesus' words to our lives, and then encouraging us. These are the kinds of things that a good counselor does for us, and that's what the Holy Spirit is. He's a counselor that does each of those things for us, and in the process, he ends up whispering to us from the words that God has written in the Bible. This is part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, what we need to do to get there is to build a toolbox, if you will, for ways to get God's Word into us. This term, God's Word, is just slang for the Bible. It's getting the words of the Bible into us, but because we believe that it's living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. So I want to give you a number of different tools for how you can do that. Some of the tools, though, that I have include these. I sit down in my prayer chair, and I go through my soul detox that I just mentioned, and then I use a reading plan. And this year, we have this reading plan that we've made for you that includes about a chapter a day, five or six days a week, a little break for it. For these four weeks, during these four weeks, I'm just reading the Psalms, along with my reading for studying. But for my devotional reading, it's just reading the Psalms. Otherwise, the 41 weeks of this year that we're going through God's story, our story, this is my reading plan. You might have some other of your own. And so for me, I take out my reading plan, I just pick up in my Bible wherever I left off last time. And I'm sitting down in my prayer chair after I've done that soul detox, and I read through a passage of Scripture. And sometimes I'm unmoved by it. And that's okay. It's really okay just to learn from the scriptures. You might get through a whole chapter or two and not notice anything particularly. But eventually, as you're open to the Spirit's moving in your life, you probably come to a phrase or a verse that really speaks to your soul. And you want to just pause and listen to that. As you pause and you listen to that, perhaps there will be something that's convicting. And as I feel that conviction, I repent. Because that comes from the Spirit of God. Or there might be something that's encouraging, and I receive that with thanksgiving. Or there might be a new learning that I haven't noticed in all of my Bible reading in the past, and so I take out my journal, and I write down that new learning, because if I notice something fresh from the Bible that I haven't noticed after all these years, I might want to keep note of it. And then I might notice something that just requires prayer. Oh, that's new? Here's a challenge, though, that's for me. I'm going to pray out of that passage right now. You use James 1, for example. I might read through that, and I see 
Everyone should be slow to speak and quick to listen. God, would you please help me with my kids? Would you please help me with my wife this week to be quick to listen and slow to speak? God, would you help us and our family to be slow to anger? God, we're asking for your help in this area. Okay, you get the picture? So you're just listening as you go and receiving what the scriptures might say uh, as you go through this double-edged sword called the Bible. Now, I understand that Christians make a big deal of the Bible, and if you haven't been around church for a long time, you, you might wonder why. Well, why do Christians make such a big deal about the Bible? It's not because we have this arbitrary love for ancient books. It's not that. We make a big deal of the Bible because we believe that this is different than every other ancient book. We believe that this book is living and active. It's still active. It's like an organism for us today that we read it, but also it has a way of reading our souls. It's a mirror to what's going on in our lives. It's different than every other book in that way. And it has a way of piercing our souls and convicting us of truth. And we believe these are actually very, very reliable books, reliable words according to uh, historical and grammatical uh, interpretation methods and methods of criticism. These have been proven reliable again and again. And so we receive these as the very words of God. I don't know about you. I don't know how long you've been reading the scriptures. I have for about 21, 22 years now. Uh, Others in this room, even longer, 40, 50 years. Others brand new to this. But I want you to know, if you're a brand new toddler in the Bible, you can get so much out of it. And if you've been reading this for 50 years, you can still get so much out of it. I've heard it said the Bible is like this swimming pool. That on one end, it's like a zero-depth entry that a toddler can walk in its most simple elementary truths. And on the other end, there are depths to the Bible that are like this deepest of deep ends that an elephant could swim in. The idea there is you never get tired of this. This scripture can continue to teach us no matter how long we have been in it. A second reason though, that I read the scriptures and that, and, and that we say, boy, this is a big deal, it's, it's not just an ancient book, is because there's this man by the name of Jesus who said it's actually the Word of God. And not only did he say that it is the Word of God, he said it's true from first to last. And then he lived a perfect life, and he said he's going to die for my sins, and then he backed it all up by rising from the grave. And I just believe those who live perfect lives, who offer to die for my sins, and then back it all up by rising from the grave. I'm going to go with that one, if you know what I'm saying. Okay, so we have good reasons to believe that this is true, and also we have reasons to believe that it will still cut across our souls still today. Now, even so, it's okay to admit that sometimes our Bible reading can get a little bit stale. And so you have to vary your toolbox a little bit. Sometimes it can become difficult to understand what the Bible is saying. Newsflash, right? Sometimes it's a challenge, so you have to have a good study Bible with you on your shelf from time to time. Here's one. I've recommended a number of different good study Bibles, and you come to a passage that's difficult to understand, and as you get to it, you read a scholar or two speaking about the meaning of that passage for you. That's one tool, a good reading plan that you consistently get into. A second one is just memorization. 
Memorization of the scriptures is so powerful because at the moment of temptation, when you need that Bible verse, it goes off like a time bomb in your mind to help you just the way you need. So I memorize a, a passage of scripture every week or two. And a couple weeks ago, I got a text message that was really pretty aggressive. And I wanted to hit back. But fortunately, a couple years ago, when I was really struggling with patience, and when I was really struggling with anger, I'd memorized a lot of verses related to those themes, and in the moment of need, as I was about to get defensive and give a text message back and put that person in their place, this passage just pops into my mind. A patient man is known for his wisdom. It is his glory to overlook an offense. Proverbs 19.11. That's a good one. And in the moment of need, it entered into my mind. It's my glory in this moment to overlook an offense. Let it go. That was the whisper of God to me in that moment of need. Here's another tool for many of us. Many use devotional books when they enter into the scriptures. I have a friend who has told me I actually sometimes get more out of my devotional reading than I do out of my Bible reading. And I was like, oh man, you don't realize you're not supposed to say that to a pastor. <laughs> and then I was like, you know, that's so great that you said that to your pastor. Because it said he trusted me. And we're getting in the habit of being honest with each other. And some of us do get more out of devotional readings, which kind of scaffold us into the scriptures and give us nuggets and lead us to prayer and provide a little, little bit of commentary along the way. And I got to tell you, there are a lot of bad devotionals out there. A lot of really, really bad ones. So I want to give you a couple recommendations of good devotionals. This is My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers, an old classic. And this is Streams in the Desert by, by L.B. Cowman. Especially recommend this one if you're going through a really challenging time, a time of suffering in life right now. But sometimes a devotional tool can be very, very helpful for us. Now, a final tool, though, that I want to give you is called Lectio Divina. And I don't have a prop for this, but Lectio Divina is a wonderful tool for getting the Bible into us, getting the words of God into us that's been utilized by Christians for 1,500 years. All different denominations have utilized this because it's a way to do more than just get a bite of the Scriptures. It's a way to savor a meal from the Scriptures. And it's just four readings of a very short passage. So you might take a short psalm that you particularly love, or a gospel story, a parable, or a paragraph like we just looked at from the book of James, and you're going to read through it four times, and you're soaking in it, as opposed to surveying a wider passage of Scripture. So you read it the first time. You read those few verses. We'll just take James 1, 19 through 21. You read through it one time. And usually people just skip over after that. They've done their devotion and then they move on. And they don't feel like they're changed. Well, why is that? Because the words of God have not yet gotten into their soul. They haven't given it enough time to germinate. You see? So you read over one time. A second time you meditate 
on key words in that given passage. So once again, to take a look at James 1, 19 through 21, and I'll share with you some of the ways that I do this as I look at a passage like this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. And so I'll underline key words. James, the half-brother of Jesus, is telling me to take note of this. This is important. Everyone should be quick to listen. You pastors, Adrian, are so quick to speak. Better be quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word of God implanted in you. Like a seed implanted in the soul that germinates, that finds its proper place, that goes down and builds up roots in your soul, and then it can spring up out of your life. And off your lips, such that other people see this beautiful fruit coming from you, not because of what a great chap you are, but because you've been in the scriptures. You've heard from God, and it's starting to grow out of these limbs. And that's what it means. It, it, it will save you. It's not saying that it's going to save you eternally. That's not what it's talking about here. James is writing to Christians. They're already saved. It's talking about it'll give you abundant life now. That's what it means. It'll restore you. It'll give you strength. It'll give you hope. It'll give you a fertile life here and today. So those are the passages that I underlined as I'm meditating on the Word, and I just chew on those, the second reading. A third reading is just praying through it. Here's one way you can be sure you're going right in your prayer life. You simply pray Scripture. So you take that same passage, and you look at key words, key ideas that you feel like you need to pray through. And then finally, a fourth reading is called contemplation. Reading, meditation, praying through it, and then contemplating that passage. And as you contemplate that passage, you can simply say to God, God, what is it that you want me to apply from this passage to my life? Because I'm in the business of practice. I'm in the business of exercising myself unto godliness. I'm in the business of trying to grow with you so what is it, God, that you want to apply to my life right now that I need to take out of this devotional time with you? Now, friends, you take these tools together, all of them that I just noted, and maybe others that you like to utilize as well, and your Bible reading time will be less stale. You won't find yourself as bored You'll be hearing from God more frequently. His voice will become larger in our lives. Now, they do take practice, which isn't all that fun. We just admit that. Practice isn't all that fun, but it's so good. Goodness comes out of practice. And as we meet regularly with God, sometimes we'll hear His still, quiet whisper to our souls. Again, taken together, these prevent our spiritual lives from getting stale. And taken together, these kinds of tools can prevent our devotional times from feeling like homework, from feeling like an assignment, because you're approaching your devotional times, you're approaching your prayer chair through different angles. You give variety, which adds intrigue to the times of meeting with God. You take these kinds of tools 
together and it prevents it from becoming like a boring textbook or homework. It prevents it from being this spiritual activity that's only done on Sunday morning. Listen, uh, friends, Jesus wants your whole week. He wants my whole week. No segmenting of the spiritual life into Sunday-only parts. But Monday through Saturday, what are the different tools that I utilize to get into the Scriptures? And taken together, these become these instruments for hearing the still quiet voice of our Lord from His written Word. And His voice is hope. And His voice is love. And His voice is power. And His voice is strength. And His voice is peace through the storm. And so we prioritize getting his words in us that perhaps little bit by little bit his voice would become the loudest. Will you pray with me for that? Oh, Father, I'm so grateful, Lord, for your word. So grateful for its power in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for the gift that you have given us of your scriptures. We sometimes get caught in this cycle of needing to hear a subjective whisper from God from out in the ether. And we fail to remember that the majority of what you have chosen to speak to us has already been written. Now it's ours to apply. Now it's ours to take in. Now you would use this to shape our identity. God, truth is, for many of us, we, we just feel like this is homework. We've gotten stale in our treatment of the scriptures. So God, I pray that you'd rattle a few of us in this room today. Perhaps you would give us courage to try something new this week. We want to be like Jeremiah who said, when your words came to me, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. We want to be like Jesus who said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We want to be formed, God, not by this world, but we want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. As we enter into the scriptures, we trust that's possible. So, Father, would you give us courage? Would you rattle us a little bit? Would you enable us to uh, try some new things this week? Would you prevent us from segmenting our lives into spiritual parts and natural parts and help us to realize that you desire to be Lord through it all? We will be careful, God, to give you all the credit. And so we say together as a church family, speak, Lord. For we 
your servants are listening. 